How do you make a name for your product and get it out there, get it known? That's the question we posed for Brennan Dunn. Seems like almost overnight, this guy was everywhere. Blog posts on Hacker News, popping up in our Twitter streams, and promoting a new product for consultants called PlanScope. In this episode, we delve into how he made this happen. We asked him how he got his start in products, how he promoted himself, and what does Latin have to do with all of this? Stay tuned. Hey, everybody. This is Product People, a podcast focused on great products and the people who make them. My name is Justin Jackson, and I'd like to say hello to my co-host, Mr. Kyle Fox. How's it going, Kyle? Pretty good. How about you? I'm doing well. I'm doing well. I've gotten a few ski days in in the last couple of weeks. Ah, good to hear. I uh, I actually finally got out last weekend to Lake Louise, so that was nice. Beautiful. A little, little bit humbling, first time out of the season, but <laughs> onwards and upwards. Right on. Now, now to start, Kyle, I've got a question for you. When did you first hear of Brennan Dunn? I'm trying to think back here, and I think it was probably last fall, fall of 2012, I came across W Freelancing Rate in 14 Days, which, as you can imagine, to a rookie freelancer was a pretty enticing title. <laughs> so I may have read about it on Amy Hoy's Unicorn Free. I can't remember exactly how, yeah. but I'm pretty sure that W Freelancing, uh, his book, is is sort of what, what tuned me in and then... Then I sort of like, you know, down the rabbit hole we go <laughs> trying to figure out who it was that did this. And then I came across PlanScope and kind of been following since. Yeah. See, I think this is an interesting question because it brings up this idea of branding and marketing. Uh, you know, how does a, a person build a following? How do they market their product? And we're in luck because we have Brennan on the show today. So he's going to be able to help us answer some of those questions as a bit of an introduction. Brennan is the founder of PlanScope. Like Kyle said, he teaches a workshop at buildaconsultancy.com. And he's the author of that book Kyle was talking about, Double Your Freelancing Rate. And uh, we're really happy to have him. Welcome to the show, Brennan. Hey, thank you, Justin. I was thinking about when did I first when did I first hear of this guy? And uh, again, I think it was through Amy Hoy. And it was one of her uh, emails or a blog post about 30 by 500. And I mm -hmm. think that you were one of her examples of, you know, here's someone that's come through the program. So uh, yeah, it'd be good to talk about that. So usually what we do, Brennan, I'm not sure if you've uh, heard any of our previous episodes, but generally what we do is we kind of like spend the first little bit kind of like getting to know you as a person. <laughs> so tell us a bit about yourself, uh, where you where you come from, um, what you were doing before this and how you kind of got into, uh, into where you are now. Sure. So um, I guess I can start uh, from uh, maybe college. I, I was I went to a school called St. John's College. I was studying uh, the classics in Greek and Latin and fun things like that. And uh, so I, you know, I, I was going there, and I always was interested in technology. I'd always um, kind of dabbled in development. Uh, you know, in, in high school, I was hacking on PHP and Perl scripts and. Um, even as a kid, my, my parents had an Apple IIe, and I was just playing with basic. And um, but I never wanted to go to school for that. I never I went, I never wanted to make my hobby or my passion be my career. 
so I figured I'd be this, uh, you know, classics professor or something, and um, who happened to run, you know, Linux on the desktop, you know, at night. And <laughs> so I, uh, you know, I was going there, and I started uh, freelancing because I, I needed cash. I didn't want to. I don't want to get a job as a waiter or, you know, working in the campus IT department or anything. So I, uh, I started doing Flash websites. And um, this was back, I want to say, 2003 or so. And I was doing a lot of Flash. And I just started realizing I was spending a lot of money. And I was really kind of liking doing, uh, you know, this computer work for pay. So I, I actually dropped out of school, and I got a job as a uh, Flash engineer, which turned into a Flux engineer, which then exposed me to the wonderful world of uh, Java because Flux has no, or it might nowadays, but back then it didn't have any concept of uh, persisting to a database or anything. So I, I kind of had to learn uh, Java, which led me to Spring, which led me to, to Rails. And um, you know, I, I got into Rails back in version 0.8 or something. And um, I convinced my boss, who was a huge Apple fanboy, to let me rewrite our Java app in Rails because um, I showed him. I, I don't know if you, anyone had seen it, but Apple.com used to have this uh, like profile on 37 Singles as a company, and it was it had really you know <laughs> like you know cool music in the background and you know, Jason and David <laughs> look 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 cool going up elevators and stuff. And yeah, anyway, it, it was just. <laughs> Basically, to to the uh, to my boss, who who was you know Steve Jobs' number one fan, um, he somehow correlated in his mind, my company can be cool like this company if I use Rails. Yeah. So, yeah. Even though it was unproven, even though no one had ever like it was it was still really not used in production anywhere. I had no idea, you know, how to deploy it or anything like that. Um, I got the green light to go ahead and rewrite it. And um, then the company actually started falling apart, so I had to, uh, you know, get something new. <laughs> I dabbled in I dabbled in actually uh, my own little startup, which was pretty much just a a lead generation platform that let me uh, collect leads and sell them directly to mortgage agents, and that was okay. Um, I didn't what, really know what I was doing. Uh, what was that called? So it was called Agathon Solutions. To go back to the Greek side, <laughs> uh, it comes full circle. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah, and um, so we were just kind of like a. This was during uh, right before the subprime mortgage fallout, um, when everyone was getting mortgages who shouldn't have been getting mortgages, um, and back before AdWords was as expensive as as it is nowadays, um, we were basically just running AdWords campaigns and collecting you know leads and sending them directly to. Uh, agents who would hopefully pay us more than it costs to acquire that lead. So I kind of this is my first kind of you know entry into realizing that you know what co cost of acquisition means and and you know what pe what value people will pay for and everything. And it was going okay. And like I mentioned, I I didn't really know what I was doing. Um, I had hired a sales guy and I I had a partner who I grew up with who kind of did the legal and administrative side of the company. I did all the development work, and um, and then the the whole mortgage bubble burst, and we realized that no one would, wanted to buy leads anymore. So <laughs> I uh, once again I was kind of uh, needing to find something else to do, and I found a job 
uh, at a interactive agency. Um, I was brought on to do kind of like R&D on a uh, CMS they were developing because every agency on the planet um, has their own content management system. Mm -hmm. So, <laughs> you know, it was, this, it was this really poorly written PHP app that they were literally uh, cloning for each each new client of theirs would get a cloned uh, copy of a uh, code base that wasn't even in any sort of version control, and they would just hack on it, and it was really difficult when you wanted to say client X, uh, we developed something really cool, and then client Y wanted that. Um, it was just, it was really painful, so I convinced them to let me write this kind of centrally hosted um, thing in Rails. And I did that for a while, and it was going pretty well. And actually, I, I believe they're still using it um, for they have cruise lines and small hotel chains and, and stuff as uh, as clients. So, um, they, you know, I was doing that for a while. It was down in Miami back when I lived in Florida, and huh. um, my wife got pregnant, and her family is up here in Virginia. And one of the kind of packs that we made was when we got pregnant we'd move back to be closer to her family um, so we packed up and moved and I was I was still they let me be a remote employee but at the time I had kind of become the technology director of the company so it didn't really work out too well me being the only remote employee in the whole company and I happen to have a very uh, kind of like senior role so they mm -hmm. wanted me to fly down like twice a month and it just when you have a pregnant wife, it's just, yeah, I didn't want to do that. I don't appreciate that too much. <laughs> yeah. So I got a, I got a, I got kind of like a telecommute job doing Rails work up here for a few months, and then I went out on my own. And um, that's kind of my entry into, into freelancing, really the first time since college. And I went out on my own and um, kept getting leads, and I, I kept realizing, you know, yeah, sure, I could pass them on to other people, but wouldn't it be nice if I could just kind of get subcontractors and make make a small uh, figure off each of their hours that they build on my behalf. Mm -hmm. So I, um, you know, I scaled up a team of I believe eight uh, subs or seven subs, in, including myself, um, and it worked out for a while. Unfortunately, we kind of put all of our eggs in one basket. We had one big client, and they overnight literally went back to just me. So I started kind of started from scratch, and um, then a few months later, uh, I decided to just on a whim uh, get a lease uh, on an office building, and realized that if I had a lease, I would naturally need to fill the space up with people. So <laughs> I um, I started hiring, and you know we had a we had a pretty good brick and mortar consultancy. We had um, at our peak uh, ten people um, or ten ten employees. Uh, not including myself, and we were doing work with inter, you know international clients. We had a client in Tokyo. We had clients all over the country, um, and we were doing pretty well. Uh, but really, what I always kind of wanted, um, you know, I'm I'm a I'm a loner at heart in a lot of ways, and I, I really like the idea of kind of this the looking around the the product uh, companies or you know these kind of solopreneur, you know, people who are running products and kind of living uh, the really the lifestyle company model, right? Right. Hmm. And I, I realized that, that that dream was kind of incompatible with running a consultancy because, 
you know, your your people want want you to be there. They want you to be on site. And they want you to be dedicated and and working full days with them in the office and everything. And that was just kind of incompatible with what I wanted. Um, so I ended up promoting somebody internally to replace me and um, started building products. My first being PlanScope. And right before that, actually, I, I skipped over this, but I had taken Amy Hoy's uh, 30 by 500 class. And that kind of set me straight in terms of how to minimize risk. Because the one thing I didn't have a lot of time, or well, the one thing I didn't have a lot of was time. And hmm. I, I couldn't just kind of think, you know, shoot in the dark and build a, you know, create a, create a blank Rails app and start coding and, and go based on my ideas and then uh, then determine, you know, well, is anyone going to buy this and how do I get it in their hands and what will they pay and everything else. So Amy, Amy's class was instrumental in getting me to realize kind of um, how pe why people buy software and, and how to go about determining what to build and how to market it and everything else. So I did that with PlanScope and um, kind of that, at that point I, I withdrew from the company and started working from home and um, and uh, moved on and started doing other stuff huh. we can talk about. Started yeah. living the dream. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> well, let's uh, let's talk about Amy Hoy for a bit because um, Kyle and I, we're, we're big fans of Amy Hoy. We, we love her. We think she's great. Um, but there, there's a pr part of her message that um, I, I kind of struggle with a little bit, and that's this, um, I think, along the lines of what you're talking about. So I, I understand that not all product ideas are good ideas, and I also, uh, you know, I can understand this idea of minimizing the time you have between, uh, you know, nothing and a profitable idea. So what what... Um, she, Amy has this idea of targeting a community you're already a part of and, um, and looking for pain in that community. So if you're a design dev, target the design dev market. If you're a consultant, target the consultant market. And, uh, you know, that's different than how I've seen folks like Patio11 build his business uh, with appointment reminder. He targeted a market that wasn't really his community. Uh, and he seems to be doing quite well. So I, I'd like to just, as someone that's gone through her class and, uh, you know, built a business kind of on that philosophy, what, what's your take on on that? So that's actually incorrect. Um, she, the, the goal is to find an audience that actually pays for things. Um, and that doesn't, while I happen to be a freelancer, therefore I built a a a suite of products for freelancers. That doesn't necessarily mean that um, that's what I should have done. Hmm. Uh, really, what what the goal is is to, like I mentioned, um, find people that pay for things. So you know, Patrick found found people who pay for things. Um, uh, you know, uh, people who have businesses and are losing money due to missed appointments. Yeah. Um, I, I think, you know, even if you were to ask Patrick, I think he would tell you that. Um, Teachers notoriously are people who typically do not pay for things, and that's why, you know, um, I don't. He hasn't had a, a runaway success, or it wasn't easy for him with Bingo Card Creator to really make a lot of money. And I, mm -hmm. I, I think that's why, you know, he he's, and I've heard him many times say, it's hard to sell to teachers, and, and likewise, it, it's I, I have from my own personal experience. I've tried to sell uh, back in the day. I, I kind of dabbled with. Selling like a a 
electronic menu system to restaurants. Restaurants are really notoriously bad at buying soft buying software. So hmm. I, I think it's more of a um, target people who have. So I listened to uh, this this podcast called The Foolish Adventure, mm-hmm. and one of the things that that really struck me was. Um, they, they made this comparison. I was listening, actually, this morning on the way to drop my kid off at school. Um, they were talking about the difference between an audience or, or a demographic and um, or what they call a cash flow, mm-hmm. or really what, what we would call an audience in 35500. And their example was people who, who own cats are not an audience, but people who buy cat furniture are an audience. So it's, it's really just a matter of... Hmm. Um, determining a, a you know a, a group of people who share a common need and are willing to pay to get that need solved, and that usually involves businesses because businesses tend to better value uh, their own needs, right? Mm-hmm. So um, yeah, I mean one of the like with with the class we one of the first things a, a new student will do is is investigate info marketers and you know people like that um, to see what we could build for them and 90% of people who take her class um, probably would not identify themselves as people the kind of people who would hang out at you know the warrior forums and other um, info marketing uh, <laughs> you know yeah sites. yeah so <laughs> I, I think that kind of leads into um, to a, another question that I had which was um, a little while ago, you wrote a, a fairly well-known blog post um, called "Why I Gave Up a Million Dollar Consultancy," and and in that you said, um, I'm just going to read a short passage here. Um, I had done my homework and was 100% confident when writing my first line of code that it would be successful. I had put my ear to the ground and listened to what people who build projects for clients struggled with and flipped their pain points around. So. Um, so you, you're kind of like, I guess you, PlanScope is sort of built for this audience that you're a part of, but how did you, um, so how did you actually go ahead and do this, and how did you get 100% confident that PlanScope was going to be successful? Sure, so, you know, I, I talked earlier about how I dabbled in kind of the failed product stuff before, right? Um, I was building a... You know, I saw companies like Airbnb who were wildly successful, and I thought, wouldn't it be great if, if there was an Airbnb but for homemade meals? And honestly, I see variations on this pop up all the time. And um, The idea so, was Airbnb for homemade meals? Yeah, so, you know, if, <laughs> if you want to find, like, in, like, so I live in the suburbs of, Southeastern Virginia, and there's really no good Thai or Indian food anywhere. Mm-hmm. But I, I see, like, you know, ethnic Indian families, and therefore I imagine that they must have some really awesome homey meals. So I, I thought, you know, it wouldn't be cool if, if um, I could go and I could go and have dinner with a family from India, or I could go and have dinner with some people who are really into the paleo diet. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's kind of like a, you know, so, I love and, this idea. It's making me hungry. Yeah. <laughs> so, you know, I, I had this, what I, what I thought was a grand idea, but I, honestly, I, I, no one had ever asked for it. No one had ever said that this was a pain 
point of theirs. And, and things like this can work. It's just more of a lotto ticket um, mm -hmm. because you, you really need to have the stars align and um, you usually need to have a lot of money behind you to promote it and uh, get the, you know, get it. I mean, the problem with any marketplace is, okay, so you have, let's say you have a lot of providers. Well, then you need to make sure that there are people who are willing to eat their food, you know, in the same geographic area as them at the right time. Mm -hmm. So, yeah. you know, if, if you if you list your, yourself as having a, a delicious, authentic Indian meal coming up next Friday and no one buys it, well, chances are you're not going to come back because you had a re really bad first-run experience. Yeah. So, yeah. yeah, so it was just a lot of things. I, I just, I wasn't even thinking about the business end of things. I, I thought about the the cool end of things, frankly. And mm -hmm. the difference with, with something like PlanScope was what I did, and this comes straight out of the 30, I mean, none of this is original to me. It just comes out of Amy's uh, playbook, really, is I just started... Um, going through internet forums that freelancers and consultants um, you know, hung out at. And the overarching theme is they keep talking about the same stuff over and over and over. Like if you go back in time and, and you look at threads, it, there's a, a small group of consistent threads that keep coming up again and again. And all I really did is I looked, okay, so what are people complaining about? And I saw that people were complaining about um, you know, their clients being very unclear about how something as simple as billing for time works or, you know, staying transparent with their clients and, and getting their clients off their backs and, and not being micromanaged. And, you know, the second thing, honestly, that they complained about a lot was um, uh, how to how to charge more. So really, I mean, th those were, if you look at some of the products I've done, I mean, they, they stem directly from my my experience applied on top of the problems that I saw a lot of people having. So I knew this is an audience that um, had these needs. They're, they're all business owners. They all have businesses of themselves. And most of them are used to paying for like a FreshBooks or a Harvest or something. And, you know, the idea of paying for software isn't foreign to them. Um, so, yeah, I mean, I, I, was, I was very confident. And I also... I didn't make the mistake of doing this kind of stealth whatever. You know, I, I built up a list. I advertised constantly to that list or I promoted what I was doing to that list. And I pretty much had a, you know, 20, 30 people who said, hey, you know, if this is all, all you're telling me, if this is pretty much what you're telling me it is, um, you've got my business. So right. there was very little risk during development. Mm -hmm. So were you kind of like, did you have like an ongoing dialogue with a few sort of select customers and that helped them help their, or use their input to help shape the product? Or were you kind of taking everybody's, you know, pain as a whole and sort of coming up with um, your own solutions for it? So I kind of already knew the core pain points that they all had. And most who had signed up for the announcement list came because they had those pain points. But one of the things that I really did was I started emailing um, once a week or twice or once every two weeks and just letting people know what I was doing and kind of what I was thinking. And um, I, I wasn't asking for people to dictate features. I was asking really to start conversations with people. So mm -hmm. I would send out a mailing to my list, which at our peak, or at, when, when I launched, I think there were 300 and something people on that list. And um, you know, I just started um, emailing them about what I was doing and kind of what I was thinking. And 
why I was thinking that, and I would say, you know, respond to this email and let me know what you think. Um, what, what, or I'd ask them a targeted, because that's very open-ended. So I would usually ask them something like, you know, what one problem related to X uh, have you faced with your business? You know, reply to this email and let me know. And um, so I really had a kind of an ongoing conversation while developing with my future customer base. Hmm. I'm wondering if I can back up just a little bit and focus on uh, how did you choose that market in the first place? So, you know, you went to Amy's class and you had this idea for um, Airbnb for homemade meals. And then, you know, that it became apparent that that wasn't a good idea. In between that, realizing your initial idea wasn't very good and choosing to go after this market, how did you choose that that was the market you're going to go after? Uh, well, I mean, so the obvious uh, takeaway would be Brennan's a freelancer, therefore, or a consultant, therefore, he's going to build things for consultants. The real reason, honestly, was during the class, we kind of do simulated uh, kind of like you know, our homework would be go and use this as an audience. Here's some watering holes, as we call them, which are just places that this audience hangs out. Mm -hmm. um, go, go and do some research. Or, you know, as in 30 by 500, it's called safariing. So, you know, I would, one of the assigned things for me was freelancers. So I was like, okay, I'll go research freelancers. <laughs> um, so it just kind of inertia led me to uh, kind of sticking with it. Um, I'd always... I'd always known having run a consulting company, which kind of puts you in the position of being both a, um, a provider and a client because really I am the client for my employees. And so I kind of knew the frustrations that a lot of my clients had in hiring people. So I saw both sides and I kind of realized what deficiencies there were currently with the existing software. And, you know, I had tried running in running my company, you know, all these different project management tools and nothing really aligned with um, the problems that I kept running into that were costing me money or costing me frustration or, or whatever else. Hmm. And did you, so was this something you really realized yourself as you're, you're doing this research and you, you kind of realized, you know what, like I understand some of these root problems from my personal experience and now I can see that there's other folks that have this as well. Um, was that something you just you, you realized as you were doing the research, like, oh, this is a big deal? And maybe if you did notice that during the research, why hadn't you maybe thought of it before uh, when you you know had your original idea for the homemade meals? Why had you missed this idea of serving freelancers? Uh, well, I, I think initially I wanted to do something uh, more or less groundbreaking, right? And um, hmm. creating a project management tool in my mind at the time wasn't anything remarkable. Now, I think considering that I'm getting uh, testimonials from people saying that I'm I'm helping their business dramatically, um, that to me is a lot more groundbreaking than uh, hooking people up with really good Indian food. And uh, <laughs> so I'm actually, I, I've definitely changed course in, in my understanding since then. But yeah, I mean, I, I didn't really, 
I never put I, I never really fully realized the uh, the mistake of thinking that because I think it's a great idea or or worse the people the people I'm friends with say mm-hmm. yeah that that's a great idea yeah um, you know and getting using that as validation is completely incorrect I mean actually when I so when I started selling my book before the book was even done, I was collecting pre-sales because I knew that getting people on a list versus getting them to pay is dramatic, even if it's just a dollar, is dramatically different. So hmm. getting that sort of upfront uh, payment verification, to me at least, was, or not to me at least, I think in general, is a very, is a much better way of, of, of ensuring that you've got, you're on the right track than um, getting people to commit uh, who happen to be your friends? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I'm gonna, if, I'm gonna... Yeah, when a friend asks you, um, you know, I have this idea. Would you pay for it? It's really easy to say, sure. Yeah. Yeah, you're not gonna say it sucks. I mean, they're your friend, right? Like, you don't want you don't want to let them you don't want to make them feel bad, even though you're probably gonna save hundreds of hours of their life to get back. So, you know. Yeah. I mean, yeah. Huh. And maybe maybe just one more thing on this, um, you know, if there's someone kind of sitting at home right now listening, and I think a lot of people who have a desire to build products, they just, they're trying to think, like, what do I build? Like, what would be a good idea? Um, Which is why sometimes I think we do grab onto those kind of that initial cool idea because we're, you know, it's late at night and, you know, we're hungry for Indian food and there's nowhere to go. And then we go, ah, wouldn't it be great if there was a, I could just go and get some Indian food. Um, what what are some things do you think people can do that they're looking for that that idea you know to get started or they're looking for that that market to get started? Yeah, so I think I mean everything to me boils down to a risk reward uh, ratio, right? So the reward of a successful of Airbnb being successful to the founders is going to be is far and above. Uh, m- exponentially bigger than PlanScope will ever be. And I know that. But hmm. I also know that, um, you know, they, they call it the startup lotto for a reason, right? Like for every Airbnb, there's a thousand failures. Mm-hmm. And I've got a wife, I've got kids, I've got a house. I, I just don't have time to to play roulette, right? Mm-hmm. So I um, I think if you, if you want to go in low risk, and meaning you want to build something that you have a fairly certain chance of being successful with it. I think that involves, first off, um, coming up with the B2B product. Um, consumers are, are hard to sell to, and it's usually a winner-takes-all kind of market. Like, there's one social network, Facebook, that everyone uses. There's, mm-hmm. there's, it's very hard to have a lot of competition in, in the space. Um, and, and secondly, uh, businesses tend to you know, value things a lot more than uh, consumers because it, it's literally costing them money to not have something um, like what you're proposing. And, and third, um, to, to minimize that, that sort of risk, and this is the biggest, is I think that just means listening to what people who have a financial interest are complaining about, um, whether that be, you, you know, oh, I'm losing money because when my when my appointment doesn't show up, I have a half hour of dead time that I could have been making $50 off of, now I'm making zero. 
you know, it's it's an opportunity cost for them. Mm-hmm. Um, so you know, that's that's what that's what Patrick's done with me. It's more, um, I'm I'm going through. I'm losing. Not only am I losing, uh, or I'm risking the the. Uh, I'm risking the fact that my client might get frustrated about the fact that they don't really know how uh, commissioning out work works and that could keep me from having a happy client which could mean uh, less repeat work from them or less referrals so it's it's, again opportunity cost and and secondly it's um, saving a business from like you know a a consulting business from uh, or a freelancer from needing to be you know pick up calls during dinner time when they're trying to reclaim their life and, and not work from a client who's who wants to know where are we, you know, how are we doing, you know, how much are what's my budget look like? Um, that's that's uh, pain killing, right? Uh, that that's a pain that a lot of freelancers have. So I, I knew going into it that, you know, I kind of had I was selling to people who have a financial interest in in, in uh, the outcome that the software provides or doesn't provide. And um, they've told me, uh, not directly, but they've told others, and they've vocalized it online, that this was a huge issue for them. Um, so I, I just kind of use that as, as validation. And then um, when I started selling it, I, I never really focused on the features because the features are immaterial. I, I focused on what are the what are the end benefits going to be. So if you use PlanScope, what's tomorrow going to look like for you? And to do that, I kind of need to remind them what today looks like, which is um, clients pestering you um, about money and you know uh, cringing after sending an invoice and hoping that you don't get a call from a client asking uh, you know hey w- where did all this money get spent um, so kind of by by painting that picture of today and then really just showing well what if what if tomorrow didn't look like that for you and <laughs> that's how I sold before I even I had written really any or that's how I built out my list without having uh, built any software yet and. So that, that was kind of my strategy for that product and every product since. Man, I'm glad Brennan came on the show. We actually have him back next week as well, so stay tuned for that. In the meantime, thank him on Twitter, at Brennan Dunn. We would also appreciate your feedback. You can get us on Twitter, at Product People TV. Tell us what you like about the show. Tell us what you don't like, too. And we'll use that feedback for future episodes. See you soon.